0: Man, what's going on, everybody? I'm so glad to be back. I think the last time I preached to you guys was like back in November or something. So it's been a while. and I'm, Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be back. But man, when I was prepping this message, I was like, what's something I could talk about to kind of like bring it all in? And honestly, I just started thinking about my life when I was in high school. And I was thinking through, I was like, man, I got a lot of good memories. But at the same time, I kind of look back. And, like, I kind of cringed a little bit. And I say this because looking at my life now, where I'm at right now in this life, compared to where I was then, never in a million years would I have expected that this is what I would be doing. So during my time in high school, I'd say I probably had, like, three goals in mind. One of which was to be in this very, very specific group of friends that I kind of sought out in middle school, and I really wanted to be in that. Second was to play varsity basketball. And third, this one's, this one's a little out there, but it was to find a girlfriend. I know, I know. It worked, it worked, but we're here. But that was literally it. I chased after all of it. And I thought so highly of myself. I was so obsessed with myself that I, I forgot who I was deep down in my core. And through high school, I had the friends. I was on the basketball team. I was, I was talking to people, but, but I was always wanting and desiring and craving more. I wanted to be invited to more to more parties. I wanted to be noticed by more people. I wasn't the best on the basketball team, so I wanted to, to be the best, and I wanted to play more. Everywhere that I went, I wanted everybody to know who I was. I, I, it literally came to a point where I would try to hang out with people from different schools, not just so that I could have – like new friends, but so that I could grow my Instagram followers and be known by more people. It was, like, absolutely ridiculous. I gave in to all kinds of peer pressure that I'm, I'm deeply not proud of. Every other word that came out of my mouth was a swear word. I was smoking, I was drinking, I was going to parties, I was, I was breaking boundaries in relationships, and, and all of it I deeply, deeply regret. And I was doing all of this so that I could satisfy myself, but the entire time I never realized that I was deeply trapped in this pride called sin or the sin called pride i left no room at all to give god the glory that he deserved and in the moment it was a lot of fun in the moment it felt filling but then i would go home and in my room at my parents house i had a couch and i would sit there i'd I'd be playing like call of duty or something and scrolling through my phone and and i would think about the way that i was living and and i was just disgusted with myself but I was so stuck in it, and I was, I was so fixated on myself that I didn't care. I was, dis- I was disgusted, but I kept craving more attention. I was missing the point of what it meant to live in humility. And then there came a point in my life, like probably within the last four or five years, where I had this just rock-bottom moment, and I realized that I couldn't do this on my own. And I was tired of, of trying to satisfy myself and I was t- tired of always feeling empty. And I came to this, this realization that I, I, I could not live a God-centered life unless I swallowed my pride and was humble. The things that I was striving for, the successes that I had gained, the accomplishments that I, that I accomplished, they were all so fleeting and so temporarily satisfying that I, I didn't know what to do. And it wasn't until I swallowed all of that and pushed it all to the side and repented that I felt true satisfaction and true fulfillment. Now, I'm not saying this to to say, look at me, my life is all sunshine and rainbows, because it's definitely not. Literally, in the week leading up to this message, it was probably the most I've been hit with my own pride in a long time. I was putting my needs above my wife's. I, I was complaining about stuff left and right. Like, why, why does our house have all these problems? Why can't we just have a newer house that doesn't have problems? Why does my car have to break down? Like, left and right, always just wanting something newer and better. But the comfort in the midst of all of that is knowing that joy, peace, satisfaction, and fulfillment is found in Jesus. And it's not, in, and it's not found in your earthly success. Now, I say all this because I want you guys to know why you should pay attention for the next 20-ish minutes as I finish this message. You might be walking through this life. You might have come through these doors tonight thinking that you're in absolute control of everything. Or some of you guys might hear the the saying now, you're, you're in control of your destiny. Every thought that you make, every decision that you make is for your own benefit in your own personal gain. And maybe, maybe you're trying to choose that college that you've been looking at for so long that you really want to get into just so that you can have that on your resume. When you, when you graduate, you can get the job that you really want. Maybe you're chasing the image on social media that you really want so people can think that you're attractive, that, you're, that you have some lavish life. Maybe you just got a new job and all of a sudden you're, you got your first paycheck and you're like, ooh, I wish I had more money now because I just spent the rest of it. Whatever it may be, The reality is that you're walking down this dangerous road of pride. And this road can and will lead to death and humiliation before you know it. And if you're sitting there thinking like, man, I'm already, I feel like I'm doing my best. And I feel like I'm I'm living for Jesus the best that I can. And I don't feel like I'm very prideful. Then keep it up. Keep working for that. Keep striving to follow Jesus. I wish that I could go back and tell my younger self in high school to, to follow Jesus, not just in your senior year. Because following Jesus all through high school is the best decision that you'll ever make. You'll never regret it. So with all that being said, we've, we've been studying through the book of Daniel for the last three weeks. And I want to kind of give you guys an overarching summary of, of what we've been going through. So in week one, Jacob kicked us off with winning in exile how Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were Jewish exiles living in Babylon. Week two was winning in success. And tonight, the title of the message is winning in humility. Winning in humility so that you can win in high school. If you want to win in high school, you have to win at humility. And the big idea that I want you guys to remember is this. Unchecked pride leads to humiliation and death. Unchecked pride leads to humiliation and death. We must constantly live our lives with the knowledge that God is in control and we are not. That he is God and we are not. We are God's children, so with that we must live in submission and reverence to his throne. Humility in the eyes of God is compelling. But pride in the eyes of God is nauseating. It makes him sick to his stomach. I have two points that I want you guys to walk away remembering tonight. The first one is humility leads to redemption. And the second one is pride leads to humiliation. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead, take them out with me. We're gonna open up to Daniel 4, And five, we're going to follow the stories of two different men who both battled the sin of pride and both had extremely different outcomes. There's a lot of text, so I'm not going to read the entire thing. I'm going to to summarize basically all of chapter 4 until the very last three verses. So to kick off in chapter 4, it starts with King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, standing on the balcony of his palace, proclaiming of God's authority. But then it moves on right after that to to Nebuchadnezzar going to sleep and having this dream. It's a really, really, really specific dream. He dreamed of this enormous tree. If you guys, you can close your eyes and think about this. This enormous tree in the center of the world. Massive tree. It's beautiful. It's huge. It's got massive branches and beautiful leaves coming off of it. With fruit and sustainment and everything coming off of it to sustain humans, to sustain animals. Animals and humans were finding shelter of it and it was beautiful. And then his dream his dream transitions into this tree being struck down. And it comes down and and it dies and and all the fruit is gone, all the branches are gone, all the leaves are gone, and the, the only thing left is the stump in the ground. It's along, along the ground with all of the animals eating, eating of the grass and the leaves and everything else. And he woke up extremely, extremely troubled from this dream. And he calls in all these magicians and these other dream interpreters to interpret the dream. And nobody's able to. Then he's like, I, can, I remember Daniel can interpret dreams. So he calls on Daniel. And Daniel comes in and, and interprets the dream. And he looks at, at King Nebuchadnezzar and says, King Nebuchadnezzar, this tree is you. At that time, he was the strongest and most powerful king. He said, this dream represents you and your kingdom. And if you fail to acknowledge that God is the true king that rules over everything, you will be cut down and exiled from your kingdom to live off of the land like a wild animal or like a wild beast. Verse 28 picks up with King Nebuchadnezzar walking on the balcony of his royal palace, looking over all of the land and saying, is this not the Babylon that I created? Boasting about his kingdom that that he created. And in the exact moment, it says in the scripture that while the words were still in his mouth, he was struck down and exiled from his kingdom. He lived out in the wilderness. It said he literally turned into what was like a wild beast. And here's where we're going to pick up and read. Verse 34 to 37 starts out with this. But at the end of those days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven, and my sanity returned to me. Then I praised the Most High and honored and glorified him who lives forever, for his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing, and he does what he wants with the army of heaven and the inhabitants of the earth. There is no one who can block his hand or say to him, what have you done? At that time, my sanity returned to me, and my majesty and splendor returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and my nobles sought me out. I was reestablished over my kingdom, and even more greatness came to me. Now I, King Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and glorify the king of heavens, because all his works are true and his ways are just. He is able to humble those who walk in pride. So my first point is humility leads to redemption. Humility leads to redemption. We see in this story that the king had everything going for him. He was the most powerful man. There's one problem. He allowed all of that success, all of that authority, all of that royalty to take the place of God. He was quickly humbled and he lost everything that he held so dearly. I've seen this play out in my life. I've seen this play out in so many lives where it's so easy to get so caught up in life you're busy you're anxious you're stressed out about something and all you're thinking about is you and what you can do and it's truly terrifying to me how easy it is to walk through life and completely forget about god first john 2:15 to 17 says do not love the world The things in this world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. The things of this world should not be taking the place of God, they do not deserve the worship that God deserves. They're all temporary. They're all fleeting. They all will go away at some point. God is eternal. He'll always be there. And the story that we read in Daniel explains how quickly everything can come crumbling down if you do not have your eyes fixed on the things above. And the things of this world come and go, and there's not a lot of time remaining. And the sin of pride is so dangerous. The author C.S. Lewis calls it the complete anti-God state of mind where in some you literally are thinking I'm the only one that exists, God is not even in the picture, it's just me I don't care about anything else but myself took King Nebuchadnezzar losing everything so that he could see God's true greatness and I mentioned earlier that I kind of had this experience in my life where everything just kind of came crashing down and I felt like I had everything going right And my sin just hit me so hard. And the Lord humbled me. And he showed me how weak I really was when he was not the main focus of my life. I lost my friends. I lost trust. My relationship was in shambles. And and I was alone. And the only thing that I had was the reality that God is still good and God is still in control even in the midst of the process of being humbled. And it's so beautiful, the idea that God desires for us to know him. But the danger of pride is that we put ourselves so high up that we drown the thought out of him and we don't even give ourselves a chance to get to know him. So we need to come to a place of of surrender. We need to come to a place of, of repentance in order to be redeemed in God's presence. Repentance summed up is, here's my sin, there's God. I'm gonna turn away from my sin and I'm gonna chase after God with everything that I have. I'll never leave you I'll never forget about you. And the thing about repentance is the opportunity is not always going to be there. The king did not take into consideration what would truly happen to him until it actually happened. He had no other choice but to cry out and admit what he had done and give God his glory. And and the flip side of repentance is pride. I said earlier that humility leads to redemption. And my second point is if you want... The second point that I want you to note is pride leads to humiliation. We just looked through Daniel 4. Now we're going to fast forward to Daniel 5. And the outcome of Daniel 5 is, is significantly different than 4. So King Belshazzar is now the king of Babylon. He took over after King Nebuchadnezzar. And we get this image of, of him in his palace having a party, essentially. And Babylon took over. Israel, from the Israelites. And they go into the temples, and they they, they take these things that used to be to worship God, used to be used to to worship God, and and they made a mockery out of it. They started using it to drink their wine out of. They were basically making fun of God, making fun of the Jews for what they believed. And in verse 5, it says, At that moment, the fingers of a man's hand appeared and began writing on the plaster of the king's palace wall. I'm going to butcher this part, but the hand handwriting says, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Parson. No idea how to pronounce that. In the same situation, he, he didn't know who could, who could interpret it. He called on magicians, he called on interpreters, he didn't know who it was, and he's like, Daniel, you can interpret this. And Daniel comes in and interprets this, and that saying summed up and interpreted is, God has numbered the days of your kingdom. He's brought it to an end. And you have been weighed on a balance and found deficient. Your kingdom has been divided and will be conquered. Shortly after translating this, sure enough, Babylon is invaded and is taken over and King Belshazzar is killed. And the difference between the two stories is Nebuchadnezzar is prideful of himself for putting his kingdom above God. And and Belshazzar is making a mockery of God. And God will not be mocked. And he blatantly mocked him, and he made an absolute fool of himself. And was quickly humbled to the point of death. So imagine this you're at a friend's house, you're just at somebody's house. People are drinking, people are having a good time. And then all of a sudden, whoever's, whoever's the host of this party takes out something that's super, super, super important to his dad. And he pulls it out, and he starts mocking it. And he starts making fun of it, and everybody starts making a mockery of whatever this thing is that is important to his dad. And then out of of nowhere, a human hand appears in thin air, telling the host of the party that his days are numbered, he's been found deficient, and essentially that his life is going to end. And the next thing you know, the host is killed. This story really highlights how dangerous pride can be. Belshazzar failed to see how entranced he was with his success, with his royalty, that God humbled him in the most humiliating way possible. He was ignorant to God's warning of his blatant pride. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride comes before destruction and an arrogant spirit before a fall. When you ignore the warnings that God gives you, when you ignore the fact that you're living with a prideful heart, God will humble you. It's not a matter of if God humbles you, but a matter of when he will do it. Maybe you're sitting here tonight and you're thinking about areas in your life where you have been prideful. Maybe you're holding on to a sin and and refusing to confess it because you're afraid that it might hurt your image. Maybe you're really putting your sport on a pedestal and thinking of yourself over everybody else. But the reality is your sin will find you out and God will have his way. This doesn't mean that you're going to have the same outcome as, as the king in Daniel 5, but it, it does mean that if you continue your, paddle of pr- your pattern of pride and entitlement, you're going to be humbled. So you need to repent and you need, you need to allow God to restore your heart before it's too late. And I say this because I care about each and every one of you. And I don't want to see you guys crash and burn like, like I did and I've seen so many other people do. Repentance and confession go hand in hand. You can't do either of those if you have pride stored up in your heart. With repentance comes agreeing that God's word is in control and that God is the one that's on the throne. When you're at a place of humility, you agree with God, but when you're at a place of pride, you argue with it. It's agreeing versus arguing. You argue to make it seem like you have it all together. Somebody might walk up to you and say, dude, I think you're really struggling with this. And you're like, you don't know who, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. Or your parents might come up to you and, and, and call something out in your life. And you're, you don't see what I do behind the door. You don't know what I'm doing. Who are you to say that about me? You push away the truth and you don't welcome it in. You might be sitting here thinking, how, how do I live a life of Humility. How do I live a life of humility? If you want to know how to live a life of humility, look at Jesus. Everything he did. from Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all of these gospels. Follows the exact story of Jesus' life. How it's God taking on flesh, coming down to be with us. That alone is enough to blow my mind. He could have stayed in heaven, but he chose to come down to earth, humble himself, get on our level, and be with us. And it doesn't end there. He served us. He loved us. He ate with sinners. He bridged the gap between the religious and the non-religious. He healed the sick. But the biggest thing of all is he took on our sin and the weight of all the evil in the world, and he put it on his shoulders He was beaten and he was mocked and he was flogged. He was murdered. A brutal, brutal, brutal death. And he did it for our sake and he did it for his father's sake. And he did it so that we can have the opportunity of eternal life. So if you guys are sitting here tonight and maybe you've never repented in your life. Maybe you've never welcomed Jesus into your life. We're about to go into a time of worship I just want to encourage you guys to think about that. Think about the weight of the fact that Jesus went to the cross that he humbled himself so that you can have a chance to be forgiven and that you can have a chance to have eternal life with him. This song is called Son of Suffering and it highlights just the agony that he went through so that we can have a relationship with him so I'm going to pray and I'm going to invite you guys to stand up you can stand up you can stay seated, you can spread out around the room we're just going to use this time of worship as as a time of reflection for those who have never truly confessed their sins, now is your time to confess confess it to God, confess it to yourself and invite him into your life so Jesus we love you Lord we're we're nothing without you God, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. Thank you for your steadfast love, Jesus, and the fact that you died for us. God, I pray for each and every one of the students that are in this room tonight, Father, that you will work in a unique and a mighty way in their lives. Father, during this time of worship, let your name be lifted high, God. We pray all this in your name. Amen.
1: Oh, the perfect son of God In you know all his innocence You're walking in the dirt With you and me He knows what living is He's acquainted with our grief A man of sorrow, a son of suffering Whole blood and tears how can it There's a God who weeps. There's a God who pleads. Oh, praise the one who will reach for me. In hallelujah to the son of suffering. Some imagine you are in world, but you chase us down in merciful pursuit. To the sinner, you were grace, and the broken, you embrace. But in the end, the proof is in your oh. In the end, the proof is in your words. Oh, blood and tears, how can it be? There's a God who eats? There's a God who leads. Oh, praise the one who will reach for me. In hallelujah to the Son of Suffering. to God in heaven. Your blood, it's still speaking. Your love, it's still reaching. All praise, King Jesus. Glory to God in heaven. Your cross, it's my freedom. Your stripes are my healing. All praise, King Jesus to God in heaven, your blood, it's still speaking, your love, it's still reaching all praise, King Jesus, glory to God forever, your
0: want to finish with three thoughts that I want you guys to take into small groups I know a lot of you probably sat through this tonight and, and you're wondering okay he said all this stuff about humility and about pride but how do I go about this So, there's three questions that I want you guys to think about and do first one they're on the screen pray and ask God to reveal the pride in your life it's a hard prayer to pray Second one, ask God to give you a desire for humility. Say, God, I know that I'm prideful, but I want to be humble. Help me to be humble, Jesus. Humble me, Lord. And the third one, confess it. So maybe you pray through these things. You might not hear You might not receive an answer right away. It might be a couple of days. You might be in the midst of doing something, and you're like, Oh, that was. And that, that might be it being revealed to you, but whatever it is, pray and confess it to God. Live in the freedom that, as the song said, live in the freedom that he suffered for, that he paid for on the cross. You guys are already victorious over your sin because of what he did on the cross. You don't have to achieve victory. You're already victorious, so live in that. And then second thing, confess it to your brothers and sisters around you. There's freedom in confessing to Christ, but there's, Even more freedom when you bring it into the light with other people that can hold you accountable and that walk alongside your life in and out of every single day. So I'm going to pray.